Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is How We Should Live Part 2. Now, here's Pastor Chris. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you all doing? It's good to see you all. Let's begin with prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, as we take a look at uh, some of the most important beliefs, Lord, we pray that you will be with us, lead and guide us in this challenging subject. In Jesus' name, amen. As a teenager, I had a very high metabolism. So much so, it was so easy to keep weight off. I could not gain a pound. I was probably, up until I, just before college, I weighed maybe 115 to 120 pounds. So I was very thin, yet very strong. No amount of food could help me to gain weight. And one of my favorite foods was that of the frozen burrito. Those little burritos that come in, the little packets that you find in the frozen section. Every time I would go to the store with my mom, Mom, let's get the special where it's a dollar per burrito, right? You get the 10 for 10. And you can mix and match it. So we would get all these burritos and we'd keep it in the freezer just in case I got hungry. And when I would get hungry, I would go downstairs to the freezer. I would take that packaged burrito. I would open it up. I would take it out. I would put a, uh, a paper towel over it. I'd put it in for 90 seconds. You'd hear the beep. I'd take it out. I'd flip it over, put it back in for another 90 seconds, give or take. I would then take it out. And at that point, my favorite hot sauce was the Taco Bell medium spice sauce. You can still buy it in the little the little bottles. And I'd slather that frozen burrito. You know when those burritos, you pull it out, you have to be careful. Because if you just take it and you put it in your mouth and you eat it, what usually happens? You will burn your mouth, especially the tongue and the roof of your mouth. So you start on the outside, you cut the corners, and you blow on it to try to cool it down. Eventually, maybe sometimes I'll just let it sit for a couple minutes, and I would eat the corners and and just hope that I would not burn my mouth. And of course, I never learned my lesson. One particular time, I, I took a I took a bite and I thought, oh okay, it's 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 piping hot. I burned my tongue a little bit. And then I took another bite because I was so hungry I thought I'm just gonna devour this. And as I chomped down on it, I thought, No. Many a time when you nuke that burrito, you get the outside piping hot, but in the middle, what happens? It's still frozen cold. And literally, I could crunch down on the burrito and I felt 
the very cold, almost icy center to this frozen burrito. And thus, I was disappointed, burned my tongue on the exterior, and then my soul was crushed when I found out it was still frozen in the center of this burrito. So what do you do? You got to throw it back in the microwave and nuke it a little bit more. Until thus, the whole thing was a, a plasma of hot nuclear proportions. And I finished my burrito. And I was satiated. You know, sometimes life, if we're not careful, when we look at the Word of God, we can be so very passionate that we're on fire on the exterior. But if we don't have the love of God in our hearts, we can be still frozen, cold, much like a frozen burrito. When we look at the Word of God, we go back to Exodus. Exodus 20. It's here that we find that God gives Israel. In many ways, I would like to say guidelines on how to live your life. So we go to Exodus 20, and actually, not just Exodus 20, but we go to, let's actually go to Exodus 19. Exodus 19, verse 1. And it says, On the first day of the third month, after the Israelites had left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. So this is three months, the first day of the third month that they had left Egypt. For those of you who are perhaps not aware, we find that God's people had been subjected to slavery in Egypt for hundreds, I believe 400 plus years. Many, many years ago, we find that God's people had gone to Egypt under Joseph. When he was ruling the kingdom, Pharaoh invited Joseph's family, he and his other brothers, to live. And under, under several Pharaoh's rule, everything was harmonious. But then God's people started to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And guess what? The rulers of Egypt realized, hey... There are so many Israelites, we've got to somehow try to control them. And a new pharaoh who did not know who Joseph was got Egypt to put all of Israel under slavery for 400 plus years. They lived under slavery in Egypt until God calls Moses and with his brother Aaron. They eventually convinced Pharaoh to finally let God's people go. And as they're journeying three months later, we find that God gives principles of life of how Israelites should live. And so let's go there to Exodus chapter 20. And it's here that we find that God spoke all of these words. And he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We find that Jesus, I mean, we find that God, the Lord, has rescued them and brought them out of 
Egypt. And it's here that he says, you will have no other gods before me. First commandment that God asks of them is, have no other gods, because I am the only God. Amen? And then he says as well, you shall not make any you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters. You shall not bow to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. God desires that we only worship God, the true God, and God alone. In verse 7, it says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the God will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So God says as well, Please do not misuse my name. Please don't curse other people in my name. Because God is a good God. God has rescued them. And would not those who perhaps have rescued you, have you ever been in a position where You've been in a bad spot and somebody comes to your rescue. Should we not be grateful and eternally thankful? And yet sometimes we find that the very one who loves and desires for our goodwill and benefit, we sometimes take and misuse their name. Mm. And then one of the most famous, the fourth commandment, that of remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, we've kind of already discussed and we found that the Sabbath is a gift to God's people. Amen? And God even realizes it's so important that he includes it, something that he tells his people, and he actually writes it down, remember the Sabbath day, because God knew that we would need the Sabbath. So don't do any work, even your family and even those under your care, your servants and even your animals. And then he begins another series of commandments. Because when you look at the Ten Commandments, it's split in half. The first four deal with our relationship, the vertical relationship that we have with God. And then the next six deal with the horizontal relationship, how we deal with our fellow man. The fifth commandment is honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And this is the first commandment that actually has a promise to it. And it says that you may live long in the land that your God, the Lord your God is giving you. What a beautiful promise. You know, kids, we sometimes forget that it is your parents who brought you into this world. Every day I'm more thankful for my mom because of what she had to endure. I'm the oldest of four. Many hours, she many, many months. If you, take, if you look at the, the time of caring for kids, that's years. What's nine times four? 36 months. So let me do the math. That's three years of carrying kids, of being sick, of throwing up, of being tired. But I know this. My mom does not regret one second of it. So much so that when I was born, 
I put my mom through 24 hours of labor. But my mom loves me. I'm secretly her favorite. I'm kidding. She loves us all equally. I'm kidding. But my mom had to endure many nights of throwing up, of carrying me. And eventually, after I was born, still having to feed me, still having to care for me. We sometimes forget how much care that our parents, and we sometimes take our parents for granted. But as we get older, we realize that the roles reverse because eventually they're going to get older. They're not able to care for themselves. And it's our responsibility. And even God says to care for your loved ones. And there's a beautiful promise that that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. We also find in verse 13, the next commandment is, commandment is, thou shalt, you shall not murder. And when we think about murder, Jesus actually takes it a step forward in the New Testament where it's not necessarily just physically murdering something, but even of thinking of ill will is also just as strongly. Don't even, you don't even want to think of hurting. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shouldn't give false testimony against your neighbor. And finally, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Ten principles of how we should live life. Very simple and very broad, but it ultimately, in, in many respects, the way that I've, uh, one of my friends brought it up was 10 ways of how to live an awesome, wonderful life. And when we look at the law, we, 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 at, the, at the nature of the law, it's a reflection of the character of God. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as what? As yourself. If we truly love our neighbor, are we going to desire to hurt them? Are we going to desire to steal from them? Are we going to desire to take of what they have? No. We would care for and uplift and care for our neighbor. And especially when we look at God, realize that God is our first priority and that nothing else should get in the way of our relationship. And yet it's also, the Ten Commandments are how we should conduct ourselves. And spiritually, it's very broad, but yet when we really look at it, it's very deep and profound because it's very simple. Love God with everything, mind, soul, strength, heart, spirit. And yet to truly love our neighbor as ourselves. Let's be honest. Do we always want to love our neighbor, especially when they say something really mean? No. Because in our heart of hearts, sometimes we say something or sometimes we think of something 
that's not necessarily kind or loving. Amen? But yet God desires that we love them with all of our, our, that we love them just as we ought to love ourselves. So it's simple and yet profound. But these principles of, of, God, of, of loving God and loving others is how God desires of how we should live our life. And it's interesting as well that these Ten Commandments were spoken of by God. And he actually, we find in Deuteronomy 5.22 that God actually writes these commandments down. The rest of them, the rest of the ceremonial that God eventually fulfilled, the prophets wrote. But God desired that these Ten Commandments would stay on forever because they are, if you think about it, whether it was written down or not, it was written in all the hearts of even Adam and Eve. And yet, if we keep these commandments, it's a delight. Now, when we look at the purpose of the law, it's the basis of God's covenant. And the law, what does the law do? When we, especially in the book of Romans, we find that the law points out sin. So, on my phone, I have a camera function. And I can flip it and I can look at it like it's a mirror, right? Some of your phones have that. And when I look at the mirror, when I look at myself, I see myself. And yet what I also notice that if I have a highlighter, I could take this highlighter and I could write on it and I could mark myself and I realize that I have a yellow spot on my face. The highlighter represents the fact of my own sin because all have fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? But thanks be to God, to Jesus Christ, he does not leave me alone. He does not abandon me because it is through Christ that I am saved. Now, I could try to keep the law as hard as I want. Because in reality, in many respects, when we, when we think about it, it's not hard, but yet so hard because I am a sinner. Keeping the law is not going to save me. But I will tell you this, when we live and we desire to follow God's principles, our lives will get that much better. Because when we keep the Sabbath, when we find rest, are we not able to be more kind and to make better decisions when we are rested? And if I think of ill will and I maybe say something, they're going to remember what I've said. Amen? And it, 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 it challenges those relationships. But when we think well of others and not say mean things or steal from other people or hurt one another, our lives are that much better. And when we, when we think of God... And when God is first in our and a first priority in our lives, we realize who truly loves us and desires for our good. Now, the law may point out my sin, and I can see this, right? Can't see it very well, but it's there. 
and I look ridiculous too now that I have a yellow spot on my face, but it points out the fact that though the law may remind me, I am not saved by keeping the law. It is only by the blood of Jesus, his redeeming grace, am I saved. Amen? (coughs) So though the law may point out my sin, it may reveal cannot save us. Christ provides the freedom. Christ provides the grace. It's not what I do, but who I believe in. And yet we find that the perpetuity of the law, we find that the law was even before signing. It was was Adam and Eve knew what was right and wrong, especially after they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Israel lived in Egypt for hundreds of years. And though they didn't have a moral code until God saw fit that he wanted to help his people to understand that he wanted them to live, to not only worship God with everything, but to love their neighbor as themselves. We find in the law and the gospel that Christ fulfills the law. And all the ceremonial laws have been fulfilled. God desires that we still keep the Ten Commandments, the ones that he spoke of and that was written down. The Ten Commandments are those that last forever. So let's go to, uh, to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 34. I can still hear pages flipping. All right, are we there? All right. Ooh, thank you. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and the Pharisees got together, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the what? Greatest commandments in the law. And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. The first four commandments of the vertical, realizing that again, Love God with everything. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as what? As yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Loving your neighbor as yourself. Now truly, if we we love ourselves, we're not going to want to beat ourselves up, right? Although sometimes we do especially when we're not proud of ourselves. Maybe we've done something wrong and we beat ourselves up and we speak ill even of ourselves. God desires that, number one, we don't beat ourselves up and especially we don't beat up our fellow brothers and sisters. The summation. When we we look at the law, uh, recently 
um, I had dinner with a family member, and I could tell that I struck a nerve because I, I was on vacation, wasn't even planning on doing anything of talking about, you know, the Bible or anything, but my cousin had questions. And I could tell in the angst of his voice, I realized that he had grown up in a very unhealthy situation where suddenly it's like we have rules we have to follow. Do we not? And when we look at the Ten Commandments as rules, and especially when we don't focus on the loving aspect, we find that we can become very cold, much like a frozen burrito. We may appear on fire, and we may be strong, but it's easy for us to get cold-hearted. Have you ever met somebody like that? They're on fire for the Lord, but man, when you look deep down inside, they're as hard as nails and frozen cold. Amen? God desires that we be on fire for him and that out of our hearts exudes not only a love and a deep passion for loving God, but as well, if we truly love God, we're going to love our neighbors well. And this is a summation of the Ten Commandments. Love God with everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. So much so that the Ten Commandments, in many respects, are a blessing because it teaches us and helps us to learn how to live and to live well. Let's go to Psalm 40. Psalm 40, 7 and 8. Is the law of freedom or oppression? Psalm 40. Pastor Chris can't remember where Psalm 40 is. Here we go. All right. Verse 7. There's two passages we're going to read now, okay? Verse 7, Psalm 40, verse 7. It says, Then I said, Here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your what? Your will. My God, your law is within my heart. And truly, when we desire to seek God, we desire to do his will, and that's written on our hearts. The other, the other text that I want to look at, this is John 15. And this is something that we recently studied, especially in our series in the I Am. So let's go to John 15. John 15, verse 7. All right, if you're there, say amen. Okay, verse 7. If you what? Remain in me and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my what? Disciples. 
And as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my what? If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. If God has truly taken over your heart, you're going to want to keep God's commands. We don't keep the commands because we have to, but because we truly desire to want to follow God's leading. And when we are in Christ and we follow Jesus' commands to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves, we're going to find that our lives get much better because we desire to do the will of God and to help those around us. It's not about us anymore, but it's serving others. If we truly desire to remain in Christ, we want to keep his commands and love others that we remain in Christ. And in this journey of life, we find that it's not a sprint. In fact, life is much like a marathon. There's all kinds of races. You can have the 5K, which is only 3.1 miles, or you can do the marathon, which is 26.2 miles. You're not going to run the marathon the same way that you're going to run a sprint. Because the best runners, especially if you want to run a 5K, you can go fast, really hard for a short while, whether it's 15 minutes or, or half an hour. But you can't keep that same intensity if you're going to be running a marathon. And God reminds us that life, especially Paul, he writes that in life, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We're running the race. We find that how should we live? There's a story told, I think it's by Troy Fitzgerald. He says that there were two guys who lived in New York City and they decided they wanted to build, buy and build uh, a ranch in Texas. So they fly out to Texas and they realize they need to be able to, to till the land. So they buy a mule. And the guy who sells this mule to them realizes they have no idea what they're talking about. And they say, well, how, you know, how eventually we want to, we want to maybe have more, more mules because as, as land gets bigger and more profitable, we're going to need to be able to till the land faster. So what does he do? He sells them a honeydew as well because he has a fruit stand. And he says, if you keep this honeydew, eventually it will spawn a mule. These guys have no idea, okay? So they take the mule, they hitch it to a, a wagon, and they start on their journey back to the land. And they put the honeydew in the back. And as they were going, they came to a bumpy road. And the honeydew fell out and it broke apart. And the men, they kept going for maybe, uh, I don't know, a short distance without realizing it. They look around and they realize that the honeydew has opened. And along the way, there was this jackrabbit that came along and saw the honeydew and he started to eat out of the honeydew. And as they turned around, they saw that the honeydew had split open and out there was this other animal, a jackrabbit that they'd never seen before. And thinking that the jackrabbit was a new mule, they got out and they run and they try to grab the jackrabbit. 
because they had another mule. Now, if you don't know what a jackrabbit is, it's a, it's a, it's a decent-sized rabbit that can run really fast. And as a jackrabbit saw these men coming towards it, it instantly gets scared. And he starts to run off as fast as he can. So much so that they begin to get tired. And they ask themselves, man, this is a lot harder than I thought this would be. I don't know if I have the commitment to do this. And what I I take from this story is the fact that when we look at our lives, we realize that it's a daily matter. Every day, submitting and giving our lives to Christ and realizing that the journey is not just a snapshot. And sometimes in our lives, we can get tested, especially the fact, though, that God desires that we live healthy and whole lives. How should we live? God has blessed us with these bodies, and we should care for. We should care for them by eating good foods and living healthy and whole, abundant lives. I'd like to go to Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living, what? Sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And God desires, when when we look at it as a living sacrifice, to live for Christ. When we think of a sacrifice, especially uh, with those candles, it, it bleeds off a scent. God desires that we live lives in serving God. To be the aroma, to draw others to Christ. And so we live with Christ in mind in everything that we do. Because God has called us to be his ambassadors. So I know I'm running out of time, so we'll just, uh, let's skip this. But we live to praise and glorify God. Every day, we're called to recognize who God is, that he is our Savior, our Redeemer. We give God praise and we glorify God. And yet we also, we live to be an example to others. There are many, especially our friends and our family who are watching, especially when they find out we become Christians. They know that we are different. And God desires that we be a faithful example. Is how we are living an example of our walk with God? Is it a good example? We live to minister as well and to be a blessing to others. In many respects, we're stewards and ambassadors for Christ. So, does our lives reflect Christ. Earlier in our, our, our welcome, we read about the fact that we're called to be salt. 
I love salt. Sometimes I eat it too much, especially on fries. McDonald's French fries. That's a good salty fry. Amen? So good. I know I've talked about this before, but when I go to McDonald's, I love eating their salty fries. It just draws you in like a tractor beam. Yeah, will eat me. Right? Salt enhances the flavor. Are we living salty lives? Sometimes, and we just have to have enough because sometimes if we have too much salt, it'll turn people away. And yet we also are called to be the light because we live in a dark world. God has called us to be salt and light. So does our, our Christian behavior, are we a reflection? And we don't live this way because we have to, but because if we truly live with the principles that God has given us, it'll be a joy to love and serve the Lord, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Downey Church, I pray that we will be faithful in following God's leading, the principles that he has given to us, May we live faithfully by those. And may we be a blessing in our example to others around the world. Being that we're almost at 40 minutes, I'm going to come back later as we talk about marriage. So we'll come back. We'll take a rain check on that. May you love well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. And Lord... Excuse me. Lord, the lessons that you desire for us, Lord, the examples that you have for us to live by, to, Lord, love you with everything, to not have anything come in our lives that would separate us from you. And, Lord, as well, to be able to treat others well, to respect and love and care for our parents, Lord, to, to take a Sabbath to rest, to treat others as you would want us to treat ourselves, Lord. We pray that you will help us to be faithful examples for you. So lead and guide us, Lord, daily, every day, because it's a daily journey and it's a daily battle, Lord. May we be a reflection of you. May we be the salt and light that you have called us to. And Lord, may we love well. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful church that you have blessed us with. And another opportunity to come, to pray, to worship, and above all, Lord, to learn about you. Lord, imprint these principles in our lives. And Lord, may we be bold in our prayers and ask, Lord, for us to help us to be an example and a blessing to somebody this coming week. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Grace and peace. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downychurch.org. God bless.